Hi there. I'm Anne-Marie McQueen, editor of livehealthy.ae, and this is the livehealthy.ae podcast. Each week, we will interview leaders in the UAE's health and wellness community, and we'll explore topics you read about in our online magazine, the only one of its kind for men and women. And now it's time to meet this week's guest. So today on the Live Healthy podcast, we have Lynette Tipper. She's the Abu Dhabi-based founder of Cocoon Coaching Solutions, and she works a lot with parents and children, and she wrote a great piece for us um, earlier this summer about how to help your child through the new normal of COVID-19, and we're going to talk about another topic later, parental guilt, but I just wanted to sort of update on that topic. It's a huge topic. Kids are back in school. Your little boys are back in school. How, what are you hearing about how parents and kids are, first of all, welcome, Lynette. I'm so happy to see you. <laughs> Thanks for having me, Amber. <laughs> Lynette and I met at the Wim Hof uh, workshop in Dubai, which we were so lucky to do before COVID, right? Oh my goodness, amazing. It was amazing. such an amazing experience. <laughs> it was, I actually think it helped me COVID, COVID. Like, I think it helped, Yeah. It was a, anyway, if you, if you're interested in Wim Hof and ice baths and breathing exercises, definitely look them up because wow. Um, okay. So your kids are back in school this week. How do you think, first of all, how are you coping? How are you thinking parents are coping? Where are we at? Do you think? Well, I'm, I'm amazed. Um, I think parents are doing a great job. Um, it's been a tricky time for everybody. Um, and I think parents have seen the increase of having to take on additional labor of like homeschooling, um, you know, the sort of the, the sort of additional mouths to feed every day. Um, so now that children are getting back to school, there's a slight ease up, and I think most parents are celebrating somewhat um, and just praying that, you know, long may this continue. Um, but so far, so good. I'm really impressed with the way that also kids are handling things. You know, they're really showing their true resilience to the max at the moment. And, you know, things are changing so frequently. Um, and, you know, my children's school was shut down uh, for two weeks. So they, they opened and then they had to shut. Um, and I was just so impressed with the fact that they're just taking it on the chin. They're just going with it. You know, they're not overly impressed with homeschooling. They're, they're getting on with it. Um, but, you know, I think, I think everyone's doing the best they can at the moment with the resources they have, right? How are they dealing with the, you know, not being able to like go meet their friends at school and, you know, sort of like just be little boys with them? Like, how are they coping with that part of it? It's tough. It's tough. I think, you know, connection is such an important aspect of everybody's life. Like humans need connection and we need belonging. And, you know, seeing our friends and we know as adults, just hanging out as, as with our friends for just even an hour or grabbing a coffee is so lovely and it refreshes us. And, you know, we feel ready to face the world again. I think it's the same for children as well. They need to connect. Um, so something I found, which is a whole new pandemic uh, thing for me, which was, you know, I eased off a little bit on screen restrictions. Um, I basically enabled them to play 
play a little bit more um, with their friends. Um, so we got them headsets so they could actually connect. So obviously we kept a very sort of watchful eye on who they were connecting with. But, you know, being able to Zoom each other, being able to sort of play with each other virtually, all play dates. So, you know, um, just the families that have been present, uh, we've just hooked up with and the kids have kind of gone to each other's houses occasionally. Um, but it's definitely not on the same scale as it used to be. No. I mean, and I don't think it's helpful because I think a lot of times we talk about, is it ever going to be the same again? And that's, I find that so such an unhelpful conversation, but such a common one. <laughs> yeah. I suppose we've got to stay as present as possible and just be trying to roll into being as adaptable as possible, which is not easy. <laughs> Trust me. I know it's not easy, particularly with young kids, but you know, we have to do what we can uh, with everything we've got. <laughs> this moment when you wrote that article for us this summer, which was so good, um, you talked about two things I thought were really cool. Um, journaling for kids. Um, yes. And I know my brother, he's a teacher as well. He's a teacher and he got his two kids to start keeping journals because he thought they would, first of all, really like to look back on this. Um, so I thought that was good and grounding. Can you just talk through those a little bit? Absolutely. Well, I think journaling is amazing. I do it myself. And it's something that my clients, I, I bang on about to my clients because firstly, as you say, it's amazing to have a record to look back on because this is such an interesting moment in time, right? As in, you know, please God, this might not ever happen again. And um, it's a wonderful record for them. But also, it's an amazing opportunity to actually just kind of like rewire our brain to a certain extent and to kind of be grateful like look at the things that we're actually grateful for so I always say you know three things that we're grateful for something that didn't quite go our way but potentially could have gone our way mm -hmm. you know and how we would make that change and maybe you know what are we excited about tomorrow what's tomorrow going to bring um so it's it's kind of structuring it in a way that over time you know if you can do it every day amazing but the reality is it's not possible all the time, right? Um, but, you know, as frequently as possible, just to sort of sit down and I, I say brain dump, you know, just get it all out on paper. Yeah. Um, often as a, you know, a family exercise, that can be amazing just to sit down. You know, even little ones can draw if they need to. Mum and dad can just like get it off their chest, whatever they need to write down. And, you know, and kids, and it's kind of like an activity that, again, forms connection. Yeah. And, you know, it's just a bit of fun. So grateful, something you're grateful for, something that maybe didn't go well, and then something you're looking forward to tomorrow. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> How about grounding? Because I know that got me through coronavirus, like, majorly. I, I would just... Well, you said grounding exercises. I would literally go sit on the ground. <laughs> for you, that's grounding. Absolutely. And, you know, this is the essence. It's connecting. It's kind of, you know, it's, it's really trying to, I, I said something like, um, I think at some point, uh, taking your shoes off, um, you know, putting your feet on the ground, going outside, sitting in a park, getting your feet on the grass, going to the beach. I know the beaches were shut, but, you know, if, if you're able to even now, like, you know, if there's a beach open, just put your feet into the sand or the water, connect and just let your mind just be present in the now. So often people say, well, you know, what is being present in the now? And it is as simple as connecting with your breathing or just connecting with nothingness, emptying your mind and just feeling the sensations of your environment. So if that's the water on your hands or your feet, fabulous. If that's the, the impact that you make on the sand, even better. You know, it's just whatever it may be. It's just really connecting again um, and just trying to be as present as possible. 
I think it's so important here too, because you have so many families living in apartments and in villas with, you know, fake grass outside that you think maybe you're outside, yes. something, but you're, you're not, you're not really, you know? And I, I know sometimes I, I haven't even been on the ground in three days. <laughs> so I'm in an apartment up in the sky and yeah. Yes. Um, it's beautiful. You just get out and about, really, isn't it? Get a bit of fresh air as well into the land. Ten minutes sitting on the grass can change your whole mood, I think. And something as simple, Marie, as well, just as in just feeling your breath from your nose onto, you know, when you're just kind of, I say the star breath, so, you know, just kind of running your hands uh, sort of over your fingers, just so inhaling and exhaling. But breath work can be stressful for people that are having anxiety sometimes. So as you say, it's just, you know, just being outside, just, just taking some moments to yourself. Okay. Um, how about for teens? I, I do work with teens. Do you work with teens and families with teens? Because yeah. they've got a whole I other, do. Yes, I do. Right? they've got a whole other. Um... Absolutely. Absolutely. So social media, this is the, the big challenge at this moment in time that I'm hearing from a lot of my clients. And, um, you know, people are really struggling with the pressures of social media. And um, I, I recently watched Social Dilemma. I'm not sure if you've had an opportunity to see this. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. It's an eye opener. Yeah. Um, yeah, Netflix. Yes, it's on Netflix. And it's an amazing documentary, but it's also quite terrifying in the, in the respect that, you know, this is a world that we're not privy to, as in this is a whole new game for us all, as in, you know, teenagers are growing up in this world, whereas we're just sort of like we're a part of it. You know, they're living through the pressures um, that come with that, you know, popularity. Um, they're living through sort of the connection aspect as well, because it does bring many goods things as as in they're able to connect with their friends right so that's one of the upsides the problem is is that when when it turns sinister and things get um you know not so great and there's aspects of cyberbullying, um you know and that's sort of the whole wanting to be to to belong um and perhaps at a time now where they're seeing less of their friends you know they've some kids and and teens have missed out on sort of graduations um they've missed out on many sort of like huge big kind of life events um so it's really trying to to sort of like understand that this will not last forever i mean i know i say that <laughs> i'm not 100% certain <laughs> But, you know, my feeling is, is that, you know, changes are happening for the better. And, um, you know, we've just got to, to allow everybody to have their say and to really sort of like, you know, for mums to sit down and, and to try and connect with their teens and ask them, you know, how things are going. Right. Like sort of, I know my friend said her daughter just goes in her room and she's just on her phone at night and she can't sort of penetrate, but I guess just keeping those, well, you know, the tough thing is with teenagers, they don't want to communicate anyway in that certain period of years. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. We've all been there. We've all been there. Right. So I think that there's <laughs> double. Yeah. And the screen time is, or the social media is an interesting thing. Cause I was thinking about this last night when you have, a t when I had a tough time as a teenager, I was at least first of all, present with my friends. I had no, we had no idea. You, you wouldn't have a phone. You would have nothing to look at. And then when something happened that you weren't included in, you would hear about it at school the next day, but you wouldn't be able to look at it all over. It must be really, really hard. Yes. Yeah, I think it's a, it's a horny ball game. Um, and, you know, I think what we can't deny is that if you look at the statistics, there is uh, an increase in, um, you know, people feeling isolated and depression and, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a real problem. And, you know, 
sometimes I think social media can just add flame to the fire. Um, you know, it's it's uh, it can be it can be a, a tricky thing. It can be. When are you going to let? Oh, sorry. When are you going to let your boys on social media? Do you think? Not for a very long time. <laughs> I think, um, you know, one of the interesting things about the documentary, and I won't obviously talk too much about this now. I could talk for hours about it. I mean, it blew my mind. But, um, you know, the the at the end, they were asking all the people involved who were sort of like often some of the creators and people at Contrings like Snapchat and Google and whatnot, um, you know, would you allow your children or do you allow your children to have access to social media? And their response is incredibly interesting. Mm-hmm. So I'll leave it at that. I won't ruin it. <laughs> but it's an eye-opener. It's an eye-opener. You know, they, like, the kids do connect. As I said, they virtually connect with games. Um, you know, they do Zoom one another. Um, but I think, you know, at this moment in time, I have little guys. So they're eight and nine. And, you know, I think I'm going to try. Who knows? <laughs> but I'm going to try my best to to uh, to leave off the that sort of... Um, for a little while, for as long as I can get away with it, basically. Yes. That's a lot of parenting these days, as long as you can get away with it. Well, we were going to talk about parental guilt, which seems like must just seep and in, permeate into every aspect of what you do as a parent, because I, I just think you must constantly be feeling guilty because there's always a someone else who seems like they're doing it better. And then there's always, there's just not enough hours in the day. How much of an issue is this for parents that you, you coach and you like... <laughs> well, hands up, 100%. I've been there and I'm yet to meet a mum who hasn't felt at one point or another this huge pervasive feeling of not meeting expectations, not living up to, you know, being our, what we put upon ourselves as, you know, trying to do the best we can or trying to be a perfect mum. You know, it's simply perfection does not exist. It's subjective. You know, we do place ourselves under an incredible amount of pressure you know, we, social media, I think most mums are on it most days. And, uh, you know, and again, I'm one of them. Um, you know, we we compare ourselves, this, com- this, you know, idea of comparison where we're looking at these somewhat perfect lives that might not necessarily be real, okay? So that degree of expectation is already, um, you know, shaky. And um, we, we, we really sort of, it, it is real <laughs> we you know the, the feelings that we get from that um a lot of the time you know people are feeling when I speak to some of my clients about this they're saying they feel powerless particularly now you know they kind of feel trapped and powerless and not able to actually um have a break of any sort because um you know a lot of mums are homeschooling mm. a lot of mums are homeschooling plus uh, working full-time um, and as we mentioned before the additional sort of like household chores have gone up and I know we live in a part of the world where we're so lucky that you know there is the additional help available at an affordable price but lots of mums I speak to don't have that aspect or option mm. and so it's a juggling act and often you know the plates are falling <laughs> mm. but even before this we've all been there yeah, but even before this, this would be something you would feel that you just couldn't get to all of it. Because Absolutely. before, Amory, it starts. The minute, yeah, it, it starts the minute you have your baby. Right. I remember, you know, this fear of judgment of, you know, did I? I had two cesareans and I didn't have natural births. You know, what's the repercussions of me not having a natural birth and delivering by a C-section? Right. Or, you know, 
breastfeeding or bottle feeding or um you know the sort of like you know when your mum uh, sorry when when you speak to other mums and their kids are amazing sleepers my children were horrific sleepers I mean like literal horrific sleepers and you know I was breastfeeding at the time and I wasn't sure whether I was giving my milk flow was okay so I wasn't able to give them or you know it was that sort of uncertainty of not knowing whether you're up to the job right and again it's these expectations we put upon ourselves and yeah it's it's that feeling of isolation as well that you get where you you know you feel sort of almost ashamed that you're not able to do this job that you've heard so much about and you know you've waited for um and you know you've planned for nine months and how you're going to sort of be the best mum possible and boom you know it all changes at the blink of an eyelid when it's so difficult so it's really (laughs) Thrown back. It's like you nail it. You figured out how to be a person, and then you you're like, I'm going to nail this parenting. And then I remember a friend of mine. She was a VP in advertising with her first baby, and she said, I I got it. I I got her, and we were headed to Starbucks. And then I got there, and I didn't know how to get in the door with the stroller. I didn't know what to do. I thought about it. Yes. Oh my goodness. Failure. And she's she's seen people do it for years. You know. So just just like how hard she was on herself because she, she didn't know how to, you know, she just had to do it once. Every first time of everything is difficult, but I just thought, oh my gosh, of course, of course. You're probably encountering things like that, like right, left and center that you don't know how to. <laughs> <laughs> the struggle is real. The struggle is real. It's funny. I have a similar story where I basically had, um, you know, I had this bugaboo and, you know, this was like, at the time I thought of it as like, you know, I had the best stroller on the market in my view. I'd done my research. I'd, you know, I was passionate about finding everything that was, you know, like right on the money in the right kind of choice. Yes. And, you know, we lived in the desert. We lived in, at the time I lived in Dubai. So, you know, I had these massive wheels for the terrain of being able to take it out into different experiences. And yeah, you know, so really. <laughs> and I remember one day heading to Starbucks and um, I had my dog, I had this buggy and I had a coffee and I couldn't work out how to actually hold all three at the same time. Um, and I cried. I cried all the way home. Oh, and you know, I had a successful job beforehand. <laughs> and capable. Team. <laughs> so what was happening to me? You know, it's, it's that realization that, again, you know, this things had changed. And I think, you know, it's the expectation that we put upon ourselves that, you know, we're just not meeting those those uh, you know that level that we thought we would. I don't think you can carry all those things. You don't have three hands. Like I think, I feel if I was there, I'd say, "Why? I'm so sorry you're crying, but I don't see you having three hands." Let me hold your coffee. Absolutely, absolutely. But you know, it's it's real when you're in the moment. Yes. I think, you know, that's one of the things that we have to kind of like as as a coach. I say to mums, you know what's really happening at this moment in time is in, yes, you're feeling a certain way, but actually, like an onion, if we peel back a couple of layers, what's really going on? And it's often we're driven by fear and, you know, fear of failure, fear, fear that we're failing as a mama, fear that, you know, we're not, we're failing as a human being, you know, this is what we're supposedly put on this earth to do naturally, but actually it doesn't always come naturally to everyone. And in fact, a lot of the women I speak to say it's it's a, a work in progress, you know. How could it come naturally? How I mean, really, a lot of it you have to learn. There's, of course, some of it's instinctive. 
So how do you, what do you say, what, when you peel back that onion and you, you sort of remind them that this is about a deeper fear of just not being able to do it, how do you then have coping strategies to deal with those tough emotions? Great question. And I think the number one thing again is, you know, drawing attention back our breath. And it's really important that, um, you know, it seems so obvious to say draw attention to breath, but actually, you know, we're talking sort of diaphragmatic breathing. And I'm not sure if, if um, you know, people, people often when they're breathing, and particularly when anxiety is present, we're chest breathing, when what's so super important is actually to know how to, to breathe from our diaphragm. So it's like placing a hand onto your diaphragm and actually practicing the rather odd sensation of pushing your diaphragm out on your inhale and just holding it and then exhaling slowly. So that's just a technique that I work through. And what that does is it just takes you out of that fight or flight stage that we often get into when we're worried or stressed. So, and that puts you in a much more logical place to actually just sort of take things for what they are at that moment in time. And as you say, you know, we don't have three hands. You know, often they're not these superhumans, we're just human who are faulted and it's a work in progress. So it's, it's really sort of like, you know, trying to, to collect your thoughts. And another thing I say is, is that, you know, trying to find your tribe, yeah, and it's not always easy because, you know, um, often throughout motherhood you're going to meet different types of mamas <laughs> along your journey. And it's finding the people that you feel safe with to actually open up to. And whether that's professional help or whether it's actually just, you know, um, a, a mother group, a support group of some sort where you hold your hands up and you, you, you tell your story, you, sh you know, you share. Um, again, you know, you can't share your journey with everybody because it won't be appreciated by everyone. But, you know, it's finding the people that you connect with again and not being isolated because that feeling of isolation actually is quite a dangerous place to be in. So choosing your friends, you know, you're talking about um, appreciate it, right? And that I think we all, as we get older, choose our friends more wisely. So if you're in a group where you don't feel comfortable or heard or you feel less than, people are sort of showing off, that's all really important, maybe more important when you're a mom to, to, to recognize that when you don't feel good around certain people. Absolutely. It's, you know, instinctively, you know, recognize who you feel like you're best with, you know, recognize who energizes you. And, and sometimes we meet that energy vampires along the way. And, it, you know, and it's kind of, it's okay to assert your boundaries, you know, sort of becoming familiar with what works and what doesn't work. And instinctively, we always know. So it's really about tuning into ourselves again, which comes with grounding, which comes with breathing, which comes with just lowering our stress levels, taking ourselves out of that sort of like, as I said, you know, the area where we feel super stressed and anxious and just, you know, say, okay, it's okay to just um, not be uh, this superstar, you know, super mama that we see sometimes on Facebook or Instagram or wherever it may be, you know, or even in our, our social groups, it's okay to not, you know, be this. I, I had friends that were running like, you know, um, uh, training for marathons whilst they were, had their kids like toddlers and strollers. I mean, these were superhumans, and I felt terrible <laughs> after spending a coffee with this lovely individual and it wasn't her. It was literally me. So it was realizing, Hey, it's okay for me not to be feeling on top form now. Now, when my kids are a little bit older, I train. And so my time has come, right? So it's, it's about sort of realizing that, you know, we kind of 
we can't have it all, even though we're being told we can. It's about sort of getting our priorities straight with whatever that may be and living true to our values we are as individuals. And during lockdown, I know I heard of a lot of people saying their kids were really happy. And I feel like it was because they were spending so much time with their parents, which I think, yes. I'm an, I don't have kids, but I just think that they really want to spend time with you. So maybe a way to just deal with some of your guilt. It's just, <laughs> you know, that's a really good feedback. Absolutely. Yes, I did indeed. And do you know what, Amory, that's actually a really important point. It sort of goes back to this connection, this idea of connection. You know, like literally doing, you know, art, whatever it may be. I mean, I'm a terrible artist, but they don't care. <laughs> they just want to throw some paint on some paper and, and play around. And, you know, it's, it's about sort of, as you say, connecting as best you can at the time that we can um, and not feeling, I always felt like, you know, I had to be really A1 at this home tutoring and, and giving them the best that I could. But actually, having spoken to a load of mums, we've realised we're not professional teachers. You know, we're not educated to be teachers. And yes, we are feeling the stress of not sort of, you know, being able to deliver um, the education level that we want our kids to experience, right? But that's okay because they will catch up. What's important is the feeling they get when they're with you. And they pick up on they pick up when we're feeling um, low and upset with ourselves. So it's really about trying to just embrace the moment and relax into being present with your family at that moment in time. So you're filling a gap. You're not getting them into Stanford or Harvard right now. You're <laughs> That's yeah, exactly. I mean, you, look, my parent, my children are young, so I didn't have some of the stresses that a lot of um, teenage parents had when you know that were doing GCSEs and A levels and whatnot. Um, you know, that was a whole different ball game. Um, so I suppose I'm one of the lucky ones, and I thank my lucky stars every single day that you know ours was a lot more chilled and relaxed. Um, you know, these mums were really coping with some serious sort of worries and concerns. But again, you know, measures were taken by schools to do the best that they could for their pupils. And I'm pretty impressed with the way things have gone so far. So long, long may it rain. Yes. Okay, well, we'll leave it there. So just keep breathing from your diaphragm and go outside in the grass and spend time together. We'll get through this. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so yes, much. Absolutely. Yeah, it is so lovely to speak with you. I hope we'll have you on again. I hope if you'll come back because I love your absolutely. Life. It's been a pleasure. It's been a pleasure. Thank you, Emery. Thank you. Thank you so much. That's it for this week. If you liked the podcast, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review. We'll see you next time on the livehealthy.ae podcast.